Are you a citizen of the world? Do you aspire to be one? Do you have global business ambitions? Then you should be interested in the Business School for the World, INSEAD. Its Global Director of Admissions and Financial Aid is our guest today. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Acceptance founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 417th episode of Mission Straight Talk, Except It's Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Before we get to our wonderful guest, I'd like to invite you to join me tomorrow live for a Q&A on applying to business school and a test-optional application surge. Experienced MBA admissions consultants and former admissions committee members will be on the panel to answer your questions. Register ASAP at accept.com slash 417QA. It's free and don't miss tomorrow's event. It gives me great pleasure to have back on Admission Straight Talk, Virginie Fujia, Global Director of Admissions and Financial Aid at INSEAD, the business school for the world. Virginie, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. Thank you, Linda. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Can you give an overview of the INSEAD MBA program for those listeners who aren't that familiar with it and focusing on its more distinctive elements? So, INSEAD was started um, in 1960. Um, we welcome our class um, around those years. And since the very beginning, we have had very international um, classes with, um, in the very first class already, um, a number of Europeans represented, but also people from outside Europe. And uh, until now, we have, for example, 92 different nationalities in the current classes. So that is definitely in the DNA of the school. Um, we have a campus in Fontainebleau in France, which is uh, 60 kilometers of, uh, south of Paris, and as well a campus in Singapore. And um, we have a hub in San Francisco, that is the newest one. And we also have a campus in Abu Dhabi. Wow. So the Middle East, Asia, Europe, and North America, basically. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Pretty. And then really a business school for the world. Yeah. And that was the idea was also to allow people to be on the grounds and not just talk about how to do business in Asia without having put a foot on the continent. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And so for MBA, we do, we have an, an MBA, MIM, Master in Management, Executive MBA, Executive Master in Finance. And for MBA, we welcome two classes. So one in September that starts in the end of August, beginning of September. One starts in, in January every year. And we welcome roughly 500 students total per class um, with 300 in Fontainebleau and 200 in Singapore. Now, I know that it used to be really easy for students to move among the campuses, and most students did not attend the entire program in one campus. How has the COVID travel restrictions affected that? It did affect um, some people during their studies. So those ones who were in the 2020 classes um, last year, because Obviously, all the, the borders were closed and shutting down and you, you couldn't reorganize your plans. And so those people obviously um, had to stay on the, on the location where they were. However, 
quite a number of people decided when the countries were closing down their borders, they decided to go back home. We had a few people doing that. Others deciding to stay in Fontainebleau or in Singapore and staying and um, keep sharing their their apartments um, with their roommates. And to be very honest, now with the the quarantine and the fact that the countries have kind of reorganized the travel and the possibility to enter the different countries, we are able to have all our students in person on both our campuses in Fontainebleau and Singapore. Wonderful. And for example, we just had the master in management students who just all went to to Singapore all together. So they spent the first part of the program in France, in Fontainebleau, and they all moved, the the 90 of them moved to to Singapore for the rest of their program as land. So they were basically like like a pod. They were their own pod. They were together and they stayed together and then they could they could travel. Exactly. Together. That's the purpose. That's the idea with the with the men is that they stay together. And um, and obviously they had to plan the quarantine and we facilitated all the visa and, and made sure that everyone could um, could join. What don't people know about INSEAD that you would like them to know? What's a common misconception? First one I, I hear when I speak with prospective applicants is, do I absolutely need a 700 GMAT? <laughs> okay, <laughs> and, go for it. And, and my, my answer is, is always, well, if you want one, a 700 GMAT for yourself, then go for it. <laughs> <laughs> you have my permission. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if it's for just purely for INSEAD, maybe a 700 is fine, but maybe you want us all to be realistic and, and think of what is the score that will make you happy and that will you will feel I did well um, because not everyone is, is comfortable taking a standardized test. Not everyone is good at math or not everyone is native English speaker and can fully write in, in English. So depending on, on all this, we are happy with any score that is more or less above somewhere close to 600 and above is a competitive score for us. So I thought of one. I'm going to ask you about it. And that is that INSEAD is a, a, a great school for consultants. But if, if you're interested in finance, it may not be such a great choice. Anything other than consulting, you can you can yeah. fill in the blank. That's a very good one. We we have it sometimes, yes. And one thing that was really interesting that was back in when we had the Lehman Brothers and all this yeah. finance uh, <laughs> two thousand eight exploding. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, we actually INSEAD managed to have one of the biggest cohort or group of people going into the finance sector post-financial uh, crisis ahead of schools that had a, rep- a higher reputation in, in the domain, in the sector. So that was probing for me. You also do have a master's in finance program. I assume you have professors who teach it. Yeah. So um, some, some there's one thing that, you know, you were talking, it kind of, and also when I was preparing for the call, both, both caught my, my attention. Yeah. Yes, we we hear that. To be very honest, I don't mind. It's it's uh, not a reputation that hurts um, uh, to have. It, I think it's just also to be put into perspective because an MBA with, with a fast pace like INSEAD, intense MBA, is very much appreciated by a consulting company. 
Oui. So I'm happy if the consulting companies find talent at INSEAD that they can find ready for, for the next mission. So it's a why not? And, and this is not something I, I will uh, fight against. It's, right. it's perfectly fine if, if MBBs find the talent here. It's perfectly fine if people want to go to give it a try. It's a good way of um, keeping the learning uh, and the momentum post-MBA to go to a consulting firm where you're put in, into different roles in different sectors, different companies for short missions or longer. It makes sense. Why not? The other thing is, is that you, INSEAD is, certainly can be, and is very strong in general management, and its placement in consulting is fantastic. But it doesn't mean that it can't be good in finance, entrepreneurship, or other areas. There's, there's no conflict. Yeah, <laughs> and sometimes no it's conflict. perceived like if you have a strength in one area, you can't be strong in others, and yeah, that's just not true. That's true. And that's also kind of limiting a career to a post-MBA job. We all work for 20, 30, 40 years, right? So you don't do an MBA just to join an, a, a consulting firm for two years post-MBA. Right. You do an MBA because you, you, you want to gain access to a network, you want to gain access to, to continuing education. You, there are many different reasons. Some people do it for acquiring new skills, others to, to change sectors. Others change location. There's so many different reasons for, for doing an MBA that limiting it to just post-study uh, job is, is, uh, is a little bit narrow. We see in the statistics that 20 years post-MBA, it's more than 80% of the graduates who have had a stint to entrepreneurship. Wow. So they do try entrepreneurial ventures at some point in their sure. career. Right. It might not be just right after MBA. It can be that can be ten years down the road, or twenty, or twenty-five. So that's really interesting to observe. Right, and I, I think you're hundred percent right about the longer-term perspective being uh, the one that applicants should keep in mind. Now we touched on COVID restrictions in terms of travel between INSEAD's four campuses around the world, but how has COVID affected the student experience? On campus, I mean, first of all, are they in class? Is it a hybrid model? What about the kind of informal interactions, activities that students had enjoyed pre-COVID? Very early on, we decided to try as much as possible to remain open and to welcome people in person. So we welcomed the MIMS in um, 1st of September 2020. And uh, the MBA is a couple of weeks after and at the end of September in person. Obviously, at the same time, some people had to be on quarantine or started in person, but then had to move online because they wanted to self-isolate themselves or for any reason they had to, to be online, move online. And we gave the opportunity to everyone who wanted to to connect remotely at any point of time. So we always have both people who log in and people who are in, um, in the classroom. So it requires a, a lot of attention and effort from the faculty. All the, the, the faculty assistant have been amazing and facilitating the Zoom sessions and at the same time, the, the, the in-person, the classroom experience. 
whether you call it hybrid or dual or asynchronous <laughs> or synchronous, we are all used to this, but what yeah. it, this is new terminology. But what I do know is that basically the bottom line is we want people in person as much as possible, respecting mm. the fact that some will have to be online at some point and might be just two weeks away and then coming back. So we, we realize that. So that that is the um, the bottom line. Then in terms of to your question about what has changed, obviously it changed in the delivery, in the delivery format, obviously, with a lot more content online, like also the, um, the recruitment activities to recruit our graduates. Obviously, that has moved online for the vast majority, to say the least. And so... A lot has moved online in the format, but also in the content. So the content was adjusted to fit the new world, um, the new opportunities. So the faculty de developed new content to be relevant to what was happening currently in the in the world. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a challenging year. Now are are students still meeting? Either are they actually? I'm sure they're meeting, but are they meeting online or offline? Let's say for club activities and extracurricular activities, or does that depend upon the location and let's say the level of shutdown that that you're dealing with at, at a particular point in time? Yes, so that will depend. Indeed, the student clubs are still meeting whenever possible in person. However, they also leverage what turned out to be good opportunities because we have seen, for example, the um, the Entrepreneur Club, the Entrepreneurship Club, or the Africa Club that managed to have speakers, guest speakers online that they would have never been able to bring on campus otherwise. Right. Right. So that was really interesting to see that um, the quality of the speakers was uh, remarkably mentioned and, and mentioned more often from uh, within the student population because they could indeed have access to people that otherwise would have had to travel all the way to yeah. Fontainebleau or, or Singapore and appreciated the, the not having the commute. So that was a silver lining. Exactly. Let's turn to the admissions process and the application process more. You were last on Admission Straight Talk in November 2018, believe it or not, just about two and a half years ago. And that was episode 285, uh, which can be found at accepted.com slash 285. And I would encourage listeners to go and listen to it because we're not going to rehash it. It was a really informative discussion of the different elements of INSEAD's application, the motivation essays, the CVs, letters of rec, and the video inter interview. Has anything changed in the application or your evaluation process in the last two and a half years? Yes and no. And no, in the um, in in the first essay remains the same. The number of questions are are the same, but it did change a little bit in what we see in terms of expectations and what people are writing to us. So that's more on the. On the other side, with so people right applicants, applicant expectations or your expectations? Applicants' expectations. Really? How yes. so? We see more and more people being interested in um, or discussing their the sense of purpose um, or having a, some sort of sense of purpose and purpose. Sorry, or and discussing 
how they could make an impact, how they can make an impact to their family, to their company, to their community. So we see that. The reason why we, we did not change DSAs and, and rarely change them is because we, we, um, we're pretty transparent. I mean, I'm on this call with you and, and uh, we, we answer questions from, from a lot of um, prospective applicants all the time. We're pretty transparent because at the end of the day, we want to give a chance for people to do INSEAD. It's not a process where we feel who can we eliminate it's the contrary do you see what i mean so it's it's more uh, people can just showcase who they are and um why they think insead matches their values what they would like to achieve in the future not just post mba as as we just um discussed and hence the questions can remain the same as long as people as long as people just have this understanding that it's about them and since we are all different, we all think differently, we are, all have different value set. As long as you have an opportunity to explain those passions, those motivations, then that makes a unique right. essay, right? So that's the way we go about it. And also because the application journey, we view it part as part of, of this some sort of starting point. It starts a little bit with the marketing activities and the, and uh, and the type of first initial contacts, but it also, together with the application form, it's a it's a career journey that people start. Um, and this self introspection and reflection: why an MBA at this point in in their career? Why at this school rather than the other one? Do you see what I mean? So we obviously. From that moment, the essays can can remain pretty much the same. Well, I, I think it was an interesting insight that applicants are talking about a, a greater purpose, if you will, in their essays more than they were two and a half years ago. But wasn't two and a half years ago also a time when there was a little bit of a, a rebranding at INSEAD, where INSEAD started to focus more on a greater social good in its mission? The business is a first for good motto. I think that's a very good point. Maybe it's linked. I think this is more of a generational expectation. My mm-hmm. my kids are, are 25 and 23, and uh-huh. they're right in the same sort of, <laughs> uh-huh. of expectations for themselves. And then when they are looking for a company to recruit them, they um, look at the value of the company. and. I must admit that when I when I started my career, I was not paying too much attention to the the values of a company. If barely the gender diversity um, yeah. within the company, right? right? I was probably looking a little bit of some role models, but not so much. Um, and this generation is pays a lot of attention to to this sort of um, of information as well. Interesting point. So there's a I think there's a real con- confluence of trends, if you will. Yeah. Insead was changing, the generation was changing, and they were changing in the same direction. Now let's let's touch on the interview for a minute. Is the interview entirely virtual now? The the admissions interview I'm talking about at Insead. Yes, they are. Yes. Since um, the very beginning of this pandemic, yes. Do you see them going back to being in person when we get beyond this? 
Um, I think we will let people decide. Pre-COVID, we were more or less requiring face-to-face interviews because not everyone was at ease with a a conversation like like we are having at the moment. Right, right. I think, and we didn't want to jeopardize people's chances by putting the the computer between them and and their interview work. I think now people figure that out. And uh, and can be very persuasive and can have this eye contact and, um, and the right level of body language, which is also part of an interview. I think people got that now. So it remains to be confirmed, but I think we will give the option now. So that's also, it's it's much less expensive for people who would have to travel. So, because thanks to the wide network, we most of the time we could find alumni mm-hmm. within the um, or the country where the applicants were based. Right. However, you're very right. Sometimes that wasn't possible, or also because in the um, the interview selection that is done by the admissions officers in my team are not randomly selecting interviewers. It's a match. Um, so. It's purposely that two two people have been selected to interview a specific profile. Um, and sometimes we didn't have the, the possibility to, to have the right profile of interviewer in the country. So we, we, we were struggling a little bit. And that could stay with us, the online interview, the virtual interview for, 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 people, for countries where we have less than the might. What's the most common mistake you see applicants making? Some people are over-prepared. And when I say over-prepared, is that you try to scratch the surface, surface and you dig further to try to understand who is the person behind. And we just have canned answers and yeah. pretty prepared and authentic speech that could fit any school. And, uh, and it makes us feel, well, have you done your due diligence? Um, do you know what is INSEAD all about? And if it's not INSEAD, the, the other school, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's more this, this sort of common mistake when we read essays that are very, very dry in a way where you don't really get to know the person. With the, the virtual interviews, it can be um, a little trap for some some people because it's like pe- if if people were reading a script. Do you see? Do you see what yeah. I mean? It's it's a little bit of 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 that um, because we tend to limit our gesture when we are on the, on the computer, obviously, or and uh, we kind of look a little bit stiffer <laughs> than in person. And if people are over prepared. And then that's kind of uh, stuck. <laughs> they're, they're even more so. They're even stiffer. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, I can hear that. That's a great insight. Thank you. Now, in light of the pandemic and the crazy end to last year's admission cycle, which I guess for you at this point is, is two cycles ago because you had the January intake. Are you reading applications with a slightly different perspective, looking or weighing differently certain qualities and attributes that you did before the pandemic? Yes, I think this pandemic offers opportunity to push our limits, to probably stretch ourselves a little bit more further, a little bit more. 
and to work on our resilience. These are things that um, now could be showcased in, in an application form. And I think it gives opportunity for people to, to explain that as well, because where this is coming from, from, from my perspective, when, when we um, select people, we also look at some sort of resilience because you, um, you learn from your failures. Um, I, I'm convinced that we learn more through failures than, than achievements. And building your resilience is, is, um, is very important and, um, and can be very beneficial when then it comes to recruitment and the interviews and being denied for an interview for the job you thought was your dream job, but then you give it a try again or you prepare again but you get the feedback you accept the feedback um you use this resilience um that i'm I'm referring to so i i think that's good opportunity to um to showcase people will have more examples maybe of um, resilience or adaptations maybe and initiative and initiatives very true adaptability now, one of the things I think that COVID has triggered, at least in the United States, is a, a move to go test optional, GMAT, GRE optional, more options with testing or, or to, for schools that require the test to be more generous in offering test waivers. Does INSEAD have any plans to go in that direction? Not at all. Okay. And let me, very, let me be very honest with you. If we were to recruit from a very predominant market like friends or where everyone had a similar type of undergrad studies and GPAs. Yes, we could apply a template and a pattern and know that above that GPA, likelihood that you get a good GMAT score is very high. Right. You graduate from a well-known school in the US, you, you score that GPA, I can predict your GMAT. I'm not, I mean, that's, Sorry right. to be blunt, but um, but uh, it's, oh, you, it's maybe you can you don't even need the GMAT. You can just predict that they will do well in their classes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very true. So where because of the diversity we recruit from, the number of languages that are spoken, it's only twenty percent of the of the class that will have English as their native language. So when you you, you bear that in mind, your ability to speak English is becomes important, hence the verbal section of the GMAT. And that, that cannot be found anywhere else in the, um, in the GPA from your undergrad students, except if you have studied in, um, in an um, English-speaking institution, but that's, uh, that's not the case for the majority of our students. Similarly, the way you teach math in an Anglophone country is very different from the way you teach math in in a francophone country or um, in Spain mm. or in in other countries in the world we re- we recruit from. So so for that reason um, we will need standardized tests. Not again not to eliminate people or to make a cutoff or to but just because otherwise we have no understanding as you rightly pointed no. We don't have enough elements to be able to fully assess and fully and fairly assess the um, future academic capacity. That that makes a lot of sense, just because of the diversity of backgrounds that people come from to INSEAD. 
So right now, it's now the very end of March is recording this. This will air in early May. What advice would you give to someone in the midst of preparing for an application for your January 22 intake? In other words, that would be your June 18th or your July 30th deadline. So they're, mm-hmm. they're coming up against it. They should be in, in the thick of it. For the last round, we do have places. We will have places for the last round. However, if people are heavily dependent and relying on scholarship, um, then the round four is a little bit risky because we will have less scholarships offerings for, for that round. Good to know. Also, it can be a little bit stretched. We have um, what we call a P0, which is an onboarding online module that is happening before the start of the program. So the program is one year, but we kind of start two months or three months before by releasing some material. This this material is, is not mandatory, but highly recommended. So if people are admitted with the last round, sometimes if they're not taking days off and they plan to work until the start of the program, they find it very difficult to complete the P0 material. And in the P0 material, we have things like CV preparation, how to prepare a winning CV. We have uh, mock interviews. We have a number of, of activities that will belong to the career development center and activities. So they're quite important. We also have a management course. Uh, we also have a coaching program that starts before. So it's, uh, though people can complete it in one week, locking locking themselves in the ro- in their bedroom for a week, it, it can be completed in a week. But it's recommended to do it approximately a couple of hours per week on a window of two months, for example. So that's much better and, and beneficial. So round four has this a little bit of this disadvantage, unless people are ready to quit their job the moment they hear about the final decision they already have the finances sorted they are ready to come to Fontainebleau they don't need a visa or ready to go to Singapore because they already have an entry pass for Singapore for example so um, bearing that in mind the the selection will be the same and the, the quality we're looking for will be the same great thank you What advice, changing gears slightly, would you give to someone thinking ahead to a fall 2022 matriculation or later and an application for a later application? In other words, they're not in the thick of things. They're planning ahead. Any suggestions for them? Yes. First of all, well done, because it's it's something that takes a couple of months, more, definitely more, but maybe a couple of years um, to decide to do an MBA because... It's the GMAT prep, we covered that, but it's also um, the essays for, for us, it's important to dedicate time. But it's also um, informing the, the, um, the people you will ask recommendation from. It's, it's not doing you any favor if you were to write to the person, can you please recommend me for that program um, 24 hours before the application deadline? <laughs> right, right. Even a week before. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's usually recommended to um, to explain the thought process, explain why again the MBA, and and then maybe what you what you would like to to showcase, and then the person can write a meaningful letter of recommendation. Otherwise, it's a missed opportunity, and 
and we see we see answers like I cannot comment on this, and I always feel that's a pity, and we just just disregard the rec- the, the, the the letter of recommendation. It's a waste of of it's recommendation. A waste of Absolutely. What would you have liked me to ask you? Maybe just um, on the um, the size of the um, of the the class, the future classes. Go for it. Um, because we we have had a smaller class in in twenty twenty in September twenty twenty, and we had a bigger class in January twenty one. Um, oh, all right. Um, because of um, so what we decided to do so and and so for next year so for for people who are targeting next year. We are back to normal class size. Um, not wood. <laughs> it's wood. If if the COVID is <laughs> is um, permitting, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the idea was that when we reduced the class size for the September 2020 intake, was that we we didn't know first of all what to expect, and and, um, and uh, we all had heard about cluster and and social distancing, but technically logistically how do you make that happen so we um we the dean um had a number of town hall and forums with the incoming students asking them what do you expect what would you what would you recommend we do and um a number of people requested the possibility to defer which we agreed so we did. Uh, we welcome 300 plus in September 2020, and uh, we increased the January class to accommodate the deferrals. Okay, sounds good, Virginia. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Where can listeners and potential applicants learn more about INSEAD's MBA program? We'll be happy to stay in touch with any um, prospective applicants. People can check always check the website insead.edu. Thanks again. Listener, thank you too for joining Virginie Fujia, INSEAD's Global Director of Admissions and Financial Aid, and me for our 417th episode. We'll include links in the show notes at accept.com slash 417 to the INSEAD site, as well as to Virginie's previous interview at Admission Straight Talk and related articles and interviews. They are all linked to at accept.com slash 417. Quick reminder, register for applying to business school in a test optional application surge which was a discussion with experienced MBA admissions consultants and former admissions committee members. It's tomorrow. Save your seat ASAP for this free event at exhibit.com slash 417 QA. Look forward to seeing you there. If you found this show worthwhile, please participate in Admissions Straight Talk. Thank you for your review contest. One listener a month who leaves a podcast review on Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes, will win a free 20-minute consultation with me. You can leave your review at lovethepodcast.com slash AST. Again, that's lovethepodcast.com slash AST. I look forward to hearing from you and speaking with you. Thanks again for coming. This is Admission Straight Talk produced by Accepted and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week.